Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What, what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives. What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic. You know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes. Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. You always feel like you got a little extra juice in the tank when you're playing hockey. I'm playing some hockey tonight. Buddy got some ice. We're going to go for a good skate. And that gets that gets the adrenaline pumping for me. Hockey night is a good night. The whole day. It's like it's like an instant caffeine. I'm also drinking coffee right now. So, it is 7 o'clock at night. I already had adrenaline pumping. I'm drinking coffee. So, might talk a little fast tonight. We'll see. Try to p- pack in as much as we can to this next hour. 7 to 8 o'clock. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Looking for your calls at 803-0550. My brother, Lou DiBiase, host of Breakfast with the Bills Fantasy Style on Sunday mornings at 7 a.m. He's going to join me in 20 minutes, talk a little fantasy, little NBA finals as well. The Miami Heat, LA Lakers. That's tonight. 9 o'clock tip-off, by the way. What are we doing with that? 9 o'clock tip-off? The, the game is in Orlando. Why is it, I guess, Los Angeles, that market, um, is probably why you're doing that. But 9 o'clock, if you're on the East Coast, I mean, you're up till midnight to watch that game. So, good luck with that. I'm going to watch it if I as much as I can. I'll be on the ice, so I'm not going to get to see a ton. But I'm excited for it. My brother's going to talk a little bit with me at uh, 7.30. We'll talk a lot of fantasy, though. And we'll talk some about this Bills-Raiders matchup, which I'm ready to dive headfirst into. I know it's Wednesday, and this is normally what I save for Friday is like a full preview of Sunday's game. But I am ready to rock and roll with Bills versus Raiders. I think we have arrived at a point, and this is really, this is the new reality of the Buffalo Bills. This is what happens when... You feel like you got your coach, you feel like you got your GM, you feel like you got your quarterback, you feel like you got your offensive coordinator, you feel like you got your defensive coordinator, your middle linebacker, your number one corner, your number one wide receiver. Like The Bills just seem to kind of have everything going pretty well right now. I don't know of a single thing, a single major hole 
in the entire organization. So, what is this new reality then? I, I like that, be, with all of it, it feels like we could fix in more on the individual games rather than what it means for the long-term picture. And I think because that long-term picture right now is so clear, we're kind of exiting the era of evaluating players, especially quarterbacks and coaches, from whether they are a long-term piece, and we could begin focusing on whether they're really going to help us on Sunday against the Raiders, and whether the matchup is good, and what type of defense they're playing, and how good that team has been playing. Like We have arrived at contention, and this is what it feels like, and this is what it is. And as long as Allen keeps playing the way he's playing, or even anywhere close to it, then this is what's going to be the norm, hopefully. Because... Everything that's going on with the Bills seems to be sustainable. And there's no reason for me to think that other than, you know, like, maybe you're not able to retain Matt Milano. Like, that might be the extent of it. And Matt Milano is a phenomenal player. He might be, next to, next to Tredavious White, their second best player on defense. Now, that'd be arguable. Pro Football Focus, I saw, had Jordan Poyer re- graded as their number one safety in football through three weeks. So Poyer has kind of been all over the field. I've been noticing him a ton. I've not been diving into all 22 film on what he's doing on every single play, but the guys at PFF do that and they had him graded as the number one safety in the league. So I'm pretty confident that Jordan Poyer is right there with Milano and Tredavious White, but Hey, maybe you lose Matt Milano, but there's so much confidence for me right now in Brandon Bean that, what Milano in the first place was like a fourth round pick. And what's to say they're not just going to find a way to replace that with a second, third, fourth round pick? Because I think there's a good chance of that. That's how much confidence I have in the Bills' ability to find talented players. There have been misses. There's one that might play a prominent role against the Bills on Sunday. That man is Zay Jones. Like that's a big miss. Not only because so many great wide receivers went after Zay Jones in that draft, but you traded up to get Zay Jones. It is the Sammy Watkins trade light, is what that is. And him coming back into the picture this week against the Bills kind of reminds me of what it was like to live with Zay Jones as your number one wide receiver. And I'm not here to just bash Zay Jones for an hour, although I feel like I could do it because I never liked him as a player. Never liked him as a player. I thought from the get-go that he just didn't have it. I didn't know what he was supposed to do great. He wasn't fast. He wasn't a particularly great route runner. His hands were like rocks. He wasn't big. He wasn't going to out-muscle you. Like, I, I don't know what he was supposed to be. And even, like, look at the Bills receiving core right now. A guy like Gabriel Davis, who was a fourth-round pick, I mean, he showed up, and he's just got this great sense, it seems, of where to be, when to get open, and his hands so far look pretty darn good. Obviously, his first touchdown catch, I mean, that's a hell of a catch. And even that Josh Allen throw rolling out to his left, and Davis is behind the defense, 
and I have not seen what happened down the field yet, but Allen puts the ball at the sideline. And Gabriel Davis, I mean him, the ability as a fourth-round rookie, who, by the way, was labeled as raw coming into the NFL. For him to make that catch and have the wherewithal to know that he's got to get his feet down right away, and he's got to maintain possession right away, or else the refs are probably not calling that a catch. Gabriel Davis has already had a better start to his career than Zay Jones did. So that's like one miss, and I'm not sure I could think of many others for the Bills. Under Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. Nathan Peterman is probably one. I don't think the pick of Nathan Peterman is necessarily a miss. It's a fifth-round pick. I don't really think you can miss on a fifth-round pick. They are lottery tickets to begin with for the most part. But playing him was probably the biggest miss. Those are like the only two things, though. And funny enough, guess who's also on the Raiders? Nathan Peterman. You've got your two glaring mistakes so far, and they're not even big ones because at the end of the day, it's a second-round pick that you've more than made up for by signing John Brown, Cole Beasley, and Stephon Diggs. And it's the fifth-round quarterback who you took a flyer on. Yeah, you made a dumb decision to play him more than once in a game. Shouldn't have played him at all. But you moved on. You knew it was over. And, I mean, Josh Allen, I mean, we knew Nathan Peterman was never going to be the franchise quarterback. And they didn't let the unknown of him stand in the way. So, no harm, no foul on either guy, as far as I'm concerned. And it's kind of interesting that this organization has so few misses since Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott took over. And, like, the two guys that I would consider to be that are now both going to be, I don't want to say playing, because Peterman's probably not playing almost at all, um, unless there's an injury to Derek Carr. But they're going to be in uniform against you on Sunday. Jones, by the way, will probably play a prominent role, by the way. The Raiders, the third team in four games. The Bills are playing a team that is banged up at wide receiver. You had the Jets in week one. Jamison Crowder had an injury going into it. Now, he played, and he actually made a big play in that game. But Brashard Perriman was dealing with an injury. Their second-round rookie, Denzel Mims, was dealing with an injury. They were depleted at the wide receiver position. Week two, the Miami Dolphins. Devontae Parker, going into that game, had an injury. They already had Albert Wilson, their slot receiver, their starting slot receiver, opt out for the season. He was not in uniform. And they were left with a banged up Devontae Parker, a pretty good player in Preston Williams, and then a seventh rounder in Isaiah Ford. Not much to go on. Now last week, last week was a real test. And it was the Bills' only test in the secondary yet this season. And Robert Woods and Cooper Cup kind of went off. Like, they had good games. Woods more than Cup, but they both played very well. This week, similar to the Dolphins and the Jets, maybe even more so, you have got two rookies, but also two starters for the Raiders that are probably not playing. We know that third-round rookie Brian Edwards will not play against the Bills on Sunday, according to a report from, I believe, Ian Rappaport. And Henry Ruggs, their first-round rookie, who's been dealing with a couple of injuries throughout the beginning parts of the season... He's considered a long shot to play on Sunday. He did not practice today. Obviously, neither did Edwards. What you're probably looking at from the Raiders on Sunday is Derek Carr throwing passes to Hunter Renfro, Nelson Aguilar, remember him from the Philadelphia Eagles, and Zay Jones. And again, 
This is a game I feel like the Bills would want to dominate defensively. And they've yet to really have that performance on defense through three games. And that is really what would make the Bills an unstoppable force right now. Because I've made the case throughout the week and throughout last week that I'd rather have Josh Allen playing like this and have the defense stink. I'd rather have that than what the Bills were last season. Because that's more sustainable. It is more sustainable to have an underperforming defense, but your quarterback bails you out because he is so good and he is so consistent and they just constantly score points. That's sustainable in the league. But the Bills weren't supposed to be that. The Bills, you were hoping for the jump from Josh Allen not just because we want him to be our franchise quarterback, but because the Bills have a great defense and it's time to take advantage of it. Because if the offense steps up and the defense plays like that, then you're one of the best teams in football. Not even just like top 10. Like you're right up there with the Chiefs and you're up there with who else is like top team in the league right now? Baltimore would have been the team I would have thought of. But man, they look bad on Monday. Like those two would be the teams that you're up there with. And the Bills defense has not had that performance yet, despite the fact that they had a pretty easy matchup against the Jets. The Jets didn't do great, but it's not like they shut them out. The Dolphins, Ryan Fitzpatrick put up 28 on you. You made Josh Allen throw 400 in that game to win. And then last week, they let the Rams back in the game. Couldn't stop Jared Goff throwing those crossing routes to Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Couldn't stop it. And this week, even though the Raiders have been respectable to start the year, they're 2-1. and one, They had a good upset victory in Week 2 against the Saints. Took a step back last year against New England. That is a team you should feel like. Yeah, if we're really an elite defense still, we're going to go hold them to 10. And we're going to make it hell for Derek Carr all day because he's got nobody to throw to. And Tredavious White is going to shut down Hunter Renfro because that's your best receiver, apparently. Last week against the Patriots, looking at who Derek Carr threw to, Hunter Renfro led the team in targets with nine. Six catches for 84 yards and a touchdown. The touchdown, by the way, beautiful throw from Derek Carr. He's capable of that. He's, he can be good at times. He can also be pretty underwhelming. That's Derek Carr for you. You had Darren Waller with four targets. You had Jalen Richard with four targets. Three targets. Nelson Aguilar and Zay Jones with three targets of their own. Pretty spread out after it gets to pass Hunter Renfro. And I wonder if the Bills... Because I have not been paying attention to this, and I have not heard anybody reporting on this. Whether Tredavious White is really shadowing that number one wide receiver like he did a lot last season. Because, honestly, it's not like he's really had a guy worthy of that yet this year. I mean, the Dolphins, I guess that guy would have been Devontae Parker, but he was injured. He was not 100%. The Jets don't have that guy. And the Rams have two of those guys, but they're pretty close. Like, I don't know how you'd pick and choose between Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. So, I'm not sure that it really mattered last week either. This week, even though he's not some star in the league, I would definitely want to see the Bills shadowing Hunter Renfro with Tredavious White. Even though he is a slot receiver. But this is Derek Carr. Likes to throw the ball over the middle of the field. Doesn't like to take a lot of chances. 
That's Hunter Renfro. It's a safe underneath option who can still run deep, but not that's not his forte. Just send Tredavious White to take him out of the ballgame. And then it's the rest of the Raiders' offense against the rest of the Raiders' defense. And I feel like the Bills should win that matchup because I am not afraid of Nelson Aguilar and Zay Jones. I am not. The one guy, the two things I would respect about the Raiders' offense, being able to get points and get movement on the Bills' defense, is one, their ground attack, because the Bills have not been great in that area so far. Daryl Henderson, big game, over 100 yards rushing against the Bills last week. And I think they really miss Quinton Jefferson. He did not practice today. We'll see if he gets in uniform by Sunday. But I think they really missed Quentin Jefferson. And this Raiders team, I still think, wants to run the football, even though they're airing it out a little bit with Derek Carr right now. If I were the Raiders, what would I think I could be great at? Because Carr is fine, but I'm never going to have a prolific passing attack with him as my quarterback. That defense is not terrible, but it doesn't have near enough talent to be one of the better units in the league. And I don't really have the wide receiver core to... Basically, even like make up for Carr um, being more of an average quarterback. If my receiving core was like insane and I had Derek Carr, then I would be wanting to throw the ball a lot. But they don't have that. Maybe they will someday with Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards, but they're rookies right now. I would be trying to run the ball with Josh Jacobs. Now, that's if I had the team that I was already put in front of me. If I were the Raiders, I would not have Derek Carr as my quarterback. Um, but they do. So Josh Jacobs would be what I think is what they want to do on Sunday against the Bills. Run all over them with Josh Jacobs. Because that is the guy, that's the focal point of their offense. And then, probably their most talented pass catcher is Darren Waller. And the Bills had some trouble with Mike Jasicki in week two. By the way, I should go back to week one, because I'm a big Chris Herndon guy from the Jets. The Bills basically shut him down completely and even caused him to fumble once. Week two, Mike Jasicki did have a great game against the Bills. Big game against the Bills. I had him in fantasy. He basically won me a matchup because he was so good against the Bills. Week three, a big talking point going into it was, will they be able to stop Tyler Higby, who was coming off a three-touchdown performance the week prior? And the Bills did. They did a good job against Tyler Higby. Gerald Everett maybe had a catch in that game, um, so he was another tight end that got a little bit of run, but you didn't see much of them. And then Higby, two for 40. Two catches for 40 yards. I'll take that. Limit him to two targets in the first place. Darren Waller is another one of these great tight ends in the league. And if the Bills, he's not, the the Bills have done this at times with Tredavious White, where they will have White cover the tight end, but Waller is just too big. I I don't think you can do it. He is 6'6", 255, that's asking too much, I think, uh, from from Darren Waller or from Tredavious White. Get a call while I'm on the air here. It's all right. All right, 803-0550 is the phone number. I'm looking for more of your calls. And I'm really wanting to talk more fantasy about this Bills matchup. And I really want to get more into the NBA Finals when my brother Lou Joe DiBiase, or yeah, Lou DiBiase joins me uh, on the next segment. So stay tuned for that. Looking for your calls at 803-0550, Bills and Raiders on Sunday. This is WGR.
I'm definitely happy that I get to play in many different spots. It's also helpful for other guys, you know, as far as like the other receivers uh, being in different spots as well, because, you know, we got some guys that could play some exceptional football and we got some young guys that stepping up as well. So it's kind of hard to keep a keep tabs on everybody at one time, especially if I'm whether I'm drawing a lot of attention or whether I'm not. Um, hopefully, if, if I am, I can get a guy open or, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, I can't wait to go get lined up in the backfield at running back and quarterback so we can give him a different look. That is Bills wide receiver Stephon Diggs. He really has been lining up all over the field, and he's been getting open basically every place he lines up. What a trade. What a trade. Stephon Diggs, does he still have more receiving yards than all the Vikings? Probably not, actually, because Justin Jefferson, their first-round rookie, had a monster game in Week 3. Jody Biasi. Here on the Nightcap on WGR. A lot of Bills Raiders preview. Um, and now we are going to get to my brother Lou DiBiase on the Wester Hotline. Little fantasy football, little NBA Finals mixed in as well. Uh, Lou, I got to start though. Tuesday night, football. If that happens, how risky would you be playing with your fantasy lineups? Because if you've got, like, I'm not sure if you have a league or have any teams with any Titans or Steelers, but I feel like if I've got, Mm -hmm. like, a Deontay Johnson or a Juju Smith-Schuster, I I might be worried that game happens at all, and I might be ready to just bench any Steeler or Titan for Tuesday. Yeah, I don't know if I – there's not, like, a player on either one of those teams anymore that – well, outside of Derrick Henry that you yeah. every single week are like, he has to be in my lineup. Maybe A.J. Brown if he was healthy, but no, yeah, they're, both those teams are at the point now where it's a pretty risky thing to uh, to ride that through. Yeah. Lou's the host of Breakfast with the Bills Fantasy Style. Tune in on Sunday morning to kick off our Bills coverage at 7 a.m. What do you think of this Bills-Raiders matchup? Like, How much respect are we supposed to give the Raiders, given that, you know, the, the Bills are on the road, um, so that plays into it as well. But how much respect are we really supposed to give the Raiders after this start? Well, Joe, they should give them more if uh, Mariota was the starting quarterback. Oh, my gosh. Which, that's not the case. I thought for sure we'd get through this whole conversation without bringing his name up because I was not going to be the one to bring his name up. <laughs> uh, our, our famous Minshew Mariota debate on Sports Talk Saturday. But, no, they're – um, with Derek Carr quarterback, I just I think they're always going to have a certain ceiling. Um, I just I don't think he's somebody you can win because of. I don't think he's somebody you can get deep into the postseason with anymore. Um, but I love their roster actually. Like I think the Bills are a, a superior opponent and a superior team that should go into that game and win pretty handily. But the Raiders got pieces. They're fun. They're, they're exactly the way the Raiders should be. Like they're good, but they're really weird. They don't have a lot of star players, but you know, Josh Jacobs is a stud in the backfield. Um, I really like Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards. I like their young receivers when healthy. Their offensive line is one of the most underrated in football. So they've got pieces. It's just funny. Like, they're that's such a Raiders team. There's not a lot of household names in there. They're just a scrappy bunch that plays really good team football, as cliche as that sounds. The defense is where I think there is a lot of issues. And with how good the Bills' offense has been on the ground and through the air, I think they can put up points. So, I think the Raiders deserve a certain amount of uh, respect, but I feel like it's mostly on the offensive side of the football, mm-hmm. I'd say. So. Yeah, they've given up 30 points to the Panthers, 24 points to the Saints, who didn't have Michael Thomas, yeah. and then 36 points to the Patriots. They currently, Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs, two players I really like, but Edwards has already been ruled out for Sunday. Ruggs is mm-hmm. a, considered a long shot uh, at this point. So if they're down to Hunter Renfro, 
Nelson Aguilar and Zay Jones. Like, I don't know. That offense has been clicking so far with Derek Carr. But am I supposed to think they're that good with that trio at wide receiver? I don't think so. No, and uh, that's the thing is with Carr, again, he's not somebody that elevates talent around him. With with Ruggs and Waller and Jacobs, I I think you can win with Derek Carr, but uh, if he's going in with that trio of receivers – um, I don't expect them to be able to keep pace with the Bills. I mean, the Raiders' secondary is, to me, one of the league's worst. I mean, like you said, they've given up 30 points to a bunch of teams that probably shouldn't be scoring that much. Uh, the Panthers, week one. And so that's a team that you look at how good this Bills' trio of receivers have been. Diggs, Brown, Beasley, the separation those guys create consistently. And with how well Josh Allen's playing right now, I think it's going to be another week where the Bills' box score looks unreal, which is exciting because that just—it's not—it hasn't been the case. It's fun to see every single week, 300 passing yards, 400. Stephon Diggs being atop the league in all these categories—it's—it's it's fun, man. The Bills' offense has not been like this in a in a long time, and the matchup is there once again to continue that on Sunday. Yeah, two years ago when I was hosting Breakfast with the Bills Fantasy Style, like you are now on Sundays from seven to eight. Mm-hmm. Um, Two years ago, like you couldn't even talk about the Bills with fantasy. Like right. it was, yeah. Exactly. Every single week, it was the same thing. Like you know, if you need to, and you got a bye week, <laughs> like yeah, you could play Lashawn McCoy. But other than that, stay away. Yeah. And now Charles Clay can get you four point two points in a game. Maybe. <laughs> exactly, he'll be two <laughs> catches for twenty two yards every single game. Yep. Um, this year, I mean, how many guys? Allen right now is I think quarterback two on the season. Uh, for fantasy Mm -hmm. if he's not even quarterback one maybe he overtook uh, a couple of guys this past week Um, Allen is a must start every week unless you're in some crazy league where you also have Patrick Mahomes Uh, Devin I'm not a big fan of Devin Singletary in fantasy I think his ceiling is definitely limited but he is serviceable as a running back two or a flex and then Stephon Diggs is a must start right now he's a top five receiver in fantasy John Brown going into last week was wide receiver nine on the year before he got hurt. And Cole Beasley is like 19th in the NFL right now in receiving yards. I mean, I'm not trying to force Cole Beasley into my lineup, but even him is like a flex option, like a desperation play. Like we're mentioning some of these guys on uh, Pittsburgh and Tennessee. Like if I've got Corey Davis, who's had a good start to the year for Corey Davis, um, and I've been starting him. And I don't know that that mm-hmm. game's going to get played this weekend. Even Cole Beasley, to me, is startable. So what is that? like? Is that six guys that could be in your lineup? How come we're not talking about Gabriel Davis? He's been fantasy relevant the last two weeks. Too. I know, but I don't want to. I, I mean, oh, is the target. But for Dynasty, like, he looks yeah. good. I was comparing him early on to, like, he just looks like he has it. And that's I don't want to be that generic with the analysis of mm-hmm. Gabriel Davis, but when I was comparing him to Zay Jones, who... I'm not going to go as far as call it a revenge game for Zay Jones on Sunday, yeah. but I guess he could. Um, Zay Jones just to me never looked like he had it. Early on, even in his career as a rookie, I'm like, what is this guy supposed to be good at? Because he's not really that right. fast. He's not really that big. The ball bounces off his hands like you're throwing a tennis ball at a brick wall. Like, I don't know what he's supposed to be good at. And Gabriel Davis is not jumping off the page as, some, as like some insane athlete. But he's yeah. made like three, remember, four catches already where it's like, wow, that's a great catch. I remember I, I really dove deep into the receiver class this year uh, in, in 2020. was really fascinated with the group. But I remember Davis coming out of UCF. Like There wasn't one thing he did perfectly. Like He wasn't the tallest receiver, wasn't the fastest, uh, didn't create the most separation, you know, run after the catch ability. But 
I've noticed just like it's the little things he's done the past couple of weeks, like body control along the sidelines. Like that pass could have been better last week, Allen down the field to Davis. And, you know, he had the awareness to stay and bounce there, keep both feet in. Great body control on that incredible touchdown catch uh, in Miami, too. So, yeah, he's not fantasy relevant, but to have that as your fourth receiver, like, again, it just shows how well this organization is built around Allen right now to where they don't have to go to Zay Jones. And, you know, Robert Foster is Allen's most consistent target as a rookie. It's just it's crazy how far that this team has come around building around Allen. You know, before the season, we had no idea if Josh Allen was going to be the guy. But one thing was for certain is that this organization uh, was not going to allow any excuses to be there for him if he didn't get it done in 2020. And so even Singletary, I mean, I know he's like not some RB1, RB2 in fantasy, but I loved watching him against uh, Los Angeles. He just, he has so much, not that he'll ever be the caliber of player LaShawn McCoy is, but my God, the uh, the jukes, like the cut on a dime ability <laughs> yeah. of Singletary, like, yeah, he ran a 4-6-6, come out of Florida Atlantic, but man, that guy can make your ankles just shatter. He'll have some of the funnest 30-yard runs you'll ever see. He'll <laughs> yeah. never have a 60-yard yeah, yard run. <laughs> yeah. And then he'll drive you nuts when he, he cuts a couple times too many behind the line of scrimmage. But uh, sure. that's the experience of those kind of running backs, man. But it's fun to watch. He doesn't do it a whole lot. I don't even think he does it as much as McCoy. But McCoy also had that burst that could get him to outrun corners and safeties. Sure. That's why Singletary, to me, in fantasy will always be limited. He'll just, he will never get the carries around the goal line to get you the touchdowns. Allen doesn't throw the ball to the running back. I think actually the, still the least. I know last year this was true, and I think through three games it's pretty much true too. But Allen threw to the running back less than anyone in football last season. So when you've only yeah, got we, yeah. first and second down rushing opportunities between the 20s, I mean, you could have all of it. Right. It doesn't make it doesn't mean that you're going to be a great fantasy player. Um, let's yeah, you, you have to keep up with the efficiency for sure, and that, that's sure. the one thing Singletary's had. And, yeah, probably to stay relevant, he's going to have to keep that up. Lou DiBiase, my brother, on the West Her Hotline. He's really, you know, you're here only so I could sip my coffee, right? Like that, that, that's why you're here. So, we're, are we not going to talk about my <laughs> terrible Jimmy Butler take? I mean, oh. I should probably do a written apology on Wait, here. <laughs> we're we're going to do that in just one second. I got one other fantasy question to ask you about. Should we be worried mm-hmm. at all about Lamar Jackson? I say no, right? He's he's no. like he's quarterback eighteen, I think, on the season. He's behind Joe Burrow. I saw. Um, I'm definitely not taking on my lineups. That where but... he got. Did you see the stat where he's what is the, it's some crazy record where he has one loss against teams not named the Chiefs yes. over three years? I mean, I, I just think it's that's Kansas City. And although he did say I am keeping an eye out for what the Chiefs did to kind of contain him because he said in his press conference after the game that it was exactly the same game plan as what Tennessee did to him in the postseason. I don't know what that exactly is to stop him, but you know what that's I, something I'm interested about. You know what I really just think it is? It might be as simple as get ahead. Get ahead on Baltimore yeah. early. Lamar Jackson, but I think... How much is that on Lamar, too, man? He's throwing to Miles Boykin and I know. Sneed. I mean, can Baltimore actually get him some receivers, too? I, I mean, I, that's not just on him. I agree with that. I think they're 0-6 with Lamar Jackson as their quarterback when they're trailing in the second half, by the way. So they re- really haven't had many opportunities to have to come back in games. But I think that's how you do it. Because if they get ahead of you early, like it is tough right. to come back. But if you're the Chiefs and you're out 24 to 10 or whatever it was, and you're, make, you're taking mm-hmm. the rushing away from Baltimore, then I, I do think right now that Lamar, even though I think he is a top-five quarterback in football, uh, because in part of the rushing, I do think he's one of the top-ten passer as well. Um, but... He's not 
He had, he just hasn't shown the ability to come back in games. And I will give him that same excuse that you did because his weapons stink. Like Hollywood Brown well, is really like, good, Mark yeah. Andrews is really good, right. and that's it. Right. You have Hollywood, you've got Andrews. But for me, I just don't see any traits in Lamar's game that like is a is something you can point to and say that's the reason that he can't play from behind. I mean, to me, he's one of the most efficient pocket passers in the league. He's great outside of structure. Um, I just think it's, number one, he hasn't had to do it a whole lot, like you said. And number two, I mean, yeah, with weapons, and that's like a niche kind of number one receiver. Hollywood Brown, to me, isn't like a true number one, where he's just somebody you can depend on every single play. And so outside of, I mean, his most reliable target is a tight end. And after that, like, it's really hard to come back when you have to throw the football 40-plus times with those kind of weapons. Not to just excuse Lamar, but I really do think that Baltimore is kind of, not that they've neglected the position because they took Brown in the first round, they took Devin Duvernay this year out of Texas in the third round, but I just, I simply think he just doesn't have enough to keep up with. You know, he can keep up with a lot of teams mm-hmm. in the AFC, but the Chiefs, I mean, they're going to throw the doors off any defense every week. So at that point, you got to have firepower. To, and that's the one thing about the Bills I'm excited about to see when they play the Chiefs on Thursday night in a couple of weeks is like one thing the Bills do have is the weapons to where if they get caught in a shootout and Allen's on his game, they have the personnel around Allen to where they can put up 30-plus. And Baltimore, I just I don't know, don't know how consistently they can do that. All right, Heat. Lakers NBA Finals in an hour and fifteen minutes. Are you ready to apologize to one Jimmy Butler of the Miami? Yeah. Heat? So for people that don't know, because we don't talk a whole lot of NBA here, but um, I've my my take on Jimmy Butler has been that he he thinks he's an alpha, right? He wants to be the guy on a team. Like he always talks about how he wanted to win, but I always thought it was about just winning his way. Like he wanted to be the face of the team. If there were other guys that you know, carried the team over him, like, you know, in Philadelphia, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, that he was never going to be happy with that. It was always, there was a contingency on, on winning for him. There was a certain way to win. And I just didn't think he was good enough to be the best player on a team. You know, with the Bulls, they were the eight seed a lot with Jimmy Butler. Minnesota, they were terrible. They were the eight seed with Jimmy Butler. Um, Philadelphia, they almost made a deep run, but still, he had a lot of stars around him. But I will say it's impressive what he's done in Miami. I mean, for them to get all the way to the finals, I got to say that's alpha type stuff. And so for right now, I'll stand down. Not to say that it worked this same way in Philly and in Minnesota, but, you know, it's tough to see where those two organizations went and where Butler is now to to just ignore that and say that Butler was the problem. I mean, I'd be pretty bullish and egotistical to say that. So for now, I got to apologize to my guy. I don't think he's going to win the finals. I think LeBron's going to get his fourth ring, but uh, I'll stand down, man. He's this is alpha type stuff to get this team all the way to the finals. I, I and do, to do it easily, man. Like they coasted oh, yeah. through the East. That, that roster yeah. is so deep, and like of course, Pat Riley hitting on some picks, like Bam Adebayo and, and Tyler Hero. Like they've had some diamonds in the rough that have really contributed to this. Yeah. Um, I think the Lakers win in five, though. Like I respect what the Heat have done so far. Um, Mm-hmm. but I don't know. LeBron has kicked it into his second gear here in the playoffs, and Anthony Davis is maybe the best player. It's I feel like we've said this before about like 10 other guys, but I feel like Anthony Davis is the best player he's ever played with, and I, I don't know. Well, the in, roster is not the, loaded around yeah. those two, but it's good around those two, and I think, it's, I think they win in five. And the biggest talking point that we're ignoring is the fact that Rajon Rondo – is yes. their highest three ball shooter in the postseason. <laughs> <laughs> That's not where He's you want to be. Forty percent. 
I mean, that's if Rondo's going to shoot above 40% against you from three, you're not winning games against the Lakers. I mean, that's just not going to happen. I love Rajon Rondo. What's your So you're, you got the Lakers. How many games would you say, though? Uh, I'll say the Lakers in six. LeBron gets his fourth ring, and he continues to be the GOAT, which he already is, and Michael Jordan's going to have to make another documentary so people don't forget about him. <laughs> we need to end on that note. All right, thanks, Lou. All right, thanks, Joe. My brother, Lou DiBiase, tune in for Breakfast with the Bills Fantasy Style Sunday morning at 7 a.m., 7 to 8, all your fantasy questions. Uh, be sure to throw them Lou's way. i got to take a timeout late to a break here. Last call in the nightcap after this. Talked a lot of Bills Raiders in the first segment. If you got any thoughts on what I had to say there or anything from this last segment, uh, feel free to call and get in on the last segment at 803-0550. It's the nightcap with Joe DiBiase. This is WGR. All right, last call on the nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Wanted to get some hockey in here before uh, the end of the show. I know. It's, well, (laughs) I was about to say it's September 30th. Why are we talking about hockey? But I guess that's not usually right because September 30th, I mean, we'd be ramping up for the regular season right now. But we haven't even drafted yet. Might surprise you to find out, because in the past few days, I, boom, just reminded myself, having looked it up, like, oh, the NHL draft next week, Tuesday and Wednesday. How about that? Then, well, when's free agency? Oh, next Friday. All right, let's go. I wrote a piece on Mikel Granlund at WGR550.com. That's right, free agent profile time on the website. Excited for that. Started with Mikel Granlund. I'm not, maybe nobody wants to hear about this right now. Because are we in a good place with the Sabres? No. But if you're ever feeling down about the stat, the status of the team and where we are with the team, just remember the jerseys. That's what I've been doing. Just remember that they're going to be in those jerseys, and we're back. And because you go back to the classics, it makes it a lot harder to ever change to something else again. So this is probably going to be the case for a long time. So I think positively that way. Also, I'm one to think positively about free agency. I don't expect the Sabres to do anything in the free agent market that would severely increase their likelihood of being a playoff team. But I'm an optimist. And I know that there's talk of an internal cap, but I'm going to spin that another direction. There is talk of 17 teams considering an internal cap. If that happens, we're in for a free agent market like we've never seen before. Because there have been teams in the league with an internal salary cap, but there have never been, there's never been a league, a market, where more than half the teams have an internal salary cap. I think that is going to drive the price of free agents way down, which, by the way, we've already been trending towards that. That's already been happening in the league. In the past few years... Teams have been more hesitant, this happened to the trade deadline too, more hesitant to give up assets and give up big contracts to players that, because there is so much evidence of this out there, so much evidence, there is little chance that a guy you signed at 30 years old is going to give you more than two or three really good years. And you normally have to sign them for seven. So you have to sign a guy for twice as long as you think he's going to be productive for you. And teams, more and more, are deciding we're not doing that. So, 
Couple that with the fact that now teams are not going to want to pay up as much as they were before. And I think that we are in line for some contracts that are going to be less money than originally, or than you would normally predict. Started with Mikel Granlund as a free agent option for the Sabres. Played a lot of center at Minnesota. In fact, almost primarily center at Minnesota, except for two years in the middle of his career with the Wild. And he had his best two years with the Wild on the wing. Now, he goes back to center, has a little bit of a, a pretty consistent year, I would say, and consistent with what his previous two seasons had been with the Wild. About a 60-70 to 70 point player. Then, he gets traded to Nashville. And Mikel Granlund just, I mean, couldn't do anything with the Predators. He's a playmaker. He actually really reminds me of Marcus Johansson as a player. Likes to stay to the edge, likes to throw the puck into the middle of the ice to goal scorers, set them up. He's a, he's a setup guy, in my mind. And I think if you put him on a line with an Eric Stahl and a Jeff Skinner, two proven goal scorers in the league... And given that he's coming off a bad season, and that he's only 28 years old, which by UFA standards is not old at all. In fact, it's about as young as you usually can get. I think this is a good idea. Depending on what, again, I'd have to be right about the market being deflated. If you could get him, four and a half would be like the max on like a two-year deal. If he wants an extra year or two, maybe you get him at three and a half to four million. That's a player where I think you plug him in, uh, in the top six. He'll help you. He'll be pretty good. He's not going to be insane. You know, he's not going to change the course of the franchise. But this is a player that's available, that I think fits the opening that they have in their top six. And on top of all of that, his versatility to also play center, which he has played more of than wing in his career, gives the Sabres added depth at a position where they've been at their weakest. And it gives you, it takes even more pressure off Dylan Cousins to show up and win a spot. and Or even, you know, to play center, even if he does win a spot. So, I like this idea a lot. If you want to get more details on it, check out my piece at WGR550.com, as well as the Radio.com app. But I gotta run. Thanks everybody for listening. It's been a fun show. I'll be back tomorrow uh, to lead you into a barn burner. A barn burner for Thursday Night Football. Uh, I shouldn't make fun of it because I want, we want you to tune in tomorrow. But we, Jets and Broncos. <laughs> it's, it's the worst primetime game. One of the worst primetime games we've ever seen. Um, that's going to be tomorrow. Our coverage will start at 8 o'clock, so I'll be back from 7 to 8 tomorrow night. Thanks everybody for listening. Talk to you tomorrow. This has been the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.